Thanks, Dale. Oh, church, it is good to be with you guys again, because it's been a while. It's been a month since I have been blessed to be able to preach. And um, one just announcement update, and this is on me. I, uh, my email to Nolan with the Globe Bank announcement could have been more clear. Uh, the, we, our, out of our standard operating budget, we give 10%. That comes out of your regular giving, and that 10% then goes to missions, and that is not the Globe Bank. And the Globe Bank is a special thing we do once a month, a collection on the third month of every Sunday, where we give to a special project or something going on, whether it's in the life of our church or something in our community or something overseas. But it's a special uh, kind of gift above and beyond that regular 10% that we give. So we encourage you to kind of save money throughout the month, you know, spare change or or whatever, so that once a month we can kind of bring it and give it to that special thing. So that's what the Globe Bank is, because there's been a lot of new people coming around to our church and uh, learned uh, a few weeks back that you had no idea what the Globe Bank was, and you were curious why we had this wheelbarrow. I still don't know why we have a wheelbarrow, but uh, you know, it's there. We get it, and it makes lots of noise when you drop in the coins. So there is your, your reward right there. The, that's a spiritual joke, not very funny, but okay. Uh, hey, um, Dale set us up well about the banner. Uh, I want to offer a few of my own thoughts about it. And, and first and foremost, church, it is a blessing to walk through another year with you. Uh, thank you for blessing me uh, with the, the privilege of being your pastor and that we get to walk together in a manner worthy of the call. This verse, Ephesians 4.1, like Paul meant, or not Paul, Dale, <laughs> like Dale mentioned, is the hinge of the book of Ephesians. And what this banner is telling us is not, hey, get your act together, do something better, be a Christian, why don't you? That's, that's not what this banner is saying. What this banner is saying is that we have been called something. God has made us into something. He has called us His children. He has brought us from death into life. We are adopted as sons and daughters into the kingdom of God. That is who we are. And so Paul says, because of that reality, walk in light of who you are. In sports terms, you have a name on the front of your jersey. Act like you're on that team. So that's what is going on with this banner. Basically, being a Christian doesn't mean that we're just saved from the wrath of God and that we're the objects of His love. That is absolutely true. But we're also saved into both a family and a way of life. We're saved to a journey. And that journey is not a journey that we do alone. It is one that we do in community. By the way, I do highly recommend the book Pilgrim's Progress. And uh, it is a slog for the modern reader, but it is worth it. It is one of the best books ever written in the English language, so I commend it to you. It is worth it if you can uh, read it and get through it to the end. And yes, it'll be work, but uh, go ahead and do it. All right, let's transition to the book of Ephesians as a whole. Uh, we are going to see this call of God on our lives and how we ought to walk as a result. This morning, um, we're going to be walking through the whole book, chapters 1 through 6. Now, we're not going to read the whole thing, don't worry. Uh, but I do just want to read a, a, just a couple of verses together. And I'm not going to be preaching those verses per se today, but I want us to read them together because I do think they capture a good bit of what we find in this book. So, will you stand with me if you're able, and we are going to read uh, Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 to 10. For by grace you have been saved through faith. 
And this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. Father, in your kindness and mercy this morning, please soften our hearts and help us to hear from you. Give me clarity of speech and boldness of words. We pray all of this in Jesus' powerful name. Amen. Okay, so we are in Ephesians. And why Ephesians? Why is this the book that we're doing right now? Well, in our current cultural season, there is a lot of division in the world around us. A lot of division. We're in an election year, so that division will be very clear. Not only that, but there's discontentment in institutions, a lack of trust amongst society as a whole, and even within the church, there is potential for division and a lack of unity. Not only that, but Ephesians reminds us, so Ephesians speaks, excuse me, to the unity and life that we ought to have within the church, but Ephesians also reminds us of the most precious truths of what it means to be a Christian. We get to see this beautiful picture of walking together, but we also have the beautiful picture of the fact that we are reconciled to God. And I hope that as we walk through the book of Ephesians, our hearts will be pricked, that we will be in awe of our God, and that we will be be spurred on to love one another well. Ephesians will do that for us if we are willing to listen. Now, Here's our title, Reconciled. That's our sermon series, Reconciled. Why this? Well, in Ephesians, one of the main themes is reconciliation. Specifically, that we are reconciled to God and that we are reconciled to one another. There's this vertical reconciliation that happens and a horizontal reconciliation that happens. So you have here in this R for reconciled, a combining of two groups, Jews and Gentiles, reconciled into one, hence the new color. But we are reconciled together into something, and that's why we have the arrow. This was designed by Liza DeYoung. Um, I mean, she's fantastic, just does incredible work, gives a lot of thought into the meaning that we find in, in the things that, uh, or meaning into all the images that she's prepared. She's done the last couple ones, and um, yeah, just does great graphic design work. So um, yeah, thank you, special thank you to Liza for creating this. But here we're going to see in Ephesians the idea that, yes, we are indeed reconciled together and that we walk forward as one. Hence also our banner, walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which we've been called. All right, so what are we doing today? Well, we're going to walk through this book of Ephesians, very briefly kind of a, a general overview structure of this book written by Paul to Christians. Again, this book is a book to Christians, so a lot of, which is fascinating considering what we find in the book. A lot of simple elements of the faith. And also a lot of simple commands of what to do. It's written to Christians that Paul knew dearly. Christians that Paul taught for over two years. You can read about his time in, in Ephesus in Acts chapter 18 and 19. So, but he knew these people well. But we get kind of these, these simple yet beautiful truths uh, about the Christian life. So we're going to see this structure of the book very briefly. And then we're going to ask the question, why do we need the message of this book? And that's most of your notes. And yeah, there's a lot, a lot of notes today. And you may be like, what, where are all these blanks coming from? Don't worry, most of them are like the same word uh, each time over and over again. So uh, it'll be easy to fill out. 
but we're going to kind of ask the question, why do we need this book? Hence, our title today is What We Need to Hear. Now, for those of you who are maybe visiting with us for the first time, this is very different from what I normally do. I don't normally take a whole book. What I normally do is take a very specific passage and I walk through it kind of sentence by sentence saying this is what God has said to them and what he's saying to us through what he said to them. Today we're doing a whole book. So what I've tried to do is kind of create a uh, kind of summary statement of the whole book for us. Um, but uh, it, one thing, uh, well, here, I'll just, I'll just show you this. So this, Paul says, uh, this is the verse we read in chapter 2, verses 8 to 10. He states... A reality about who we are. We have been saved by grace through faith. This isn't something we earned on our own. And what's the result of that? Well, we were created in Christ Jesus for good works. God did something to us. He saved us by grace, not something that we earned. We can't boast in the fact that we're saved. God just did it. And why? So that we would walk with Him. This really is the structure of Ephesians. The first three chapters of Ephesians are what God has done. It starts talking with talking about the blessings that we have. Then Paul prays for the Ephesians, prays powerful things for them. Then we see the idea of reconciliation in chapter 2, and then he moves on into chapter 3, talking about how the church was always God's plan. So we get big picture theology in chapters 1 to 3. This is what God has done. That's in verses 8 and 9, simple summary. Then in verse 10, and this is why God did it. To what end? So that we would walk in good works. Second half of the book, we find five statements where Paul says, walk this way, more or less. And then he ends the second half with this idea of putting on the armor of God. So he has five statements about walking, and then he ends with stand firm with this armor on. It's kind of six, kind of six units at the end of how we ought to walk. But that is the book as a whole. Now, I encourage you to read through this book uh, every week while we're going through this, 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 uh, this sermon series. It'll take you about 10 to 12, 20 minutes, but I encourage you to keep doing it with your family. Every time you read through, you'll begin to notice more and more. You'll become more familiar with the book as a whole, and you'll see how the pieces fit together. You'll, you'll also be more prepared uh, for Sunday morning as I preach through it. You'll just be very familiar with what's happening here. So I encourage you to do that. But also, I encourage you to memorize these three verses. Chapter 2, verses 8 to 10. If you have any application today, uh, today is going to be pretty light in the, well, what do I do? Memorize this. Because this is the good news. The good news of what God has done for us. These are some of the most powerful verses in all of Scripture. One of the dangers is that we love to talk about verses 8 and 9, what God has done for us, and we forget oh, God's actually called us to walk a particular way. Or we're really excited about the way we ought to walk as believers and we forget that we were saved by grace. Our time in Ephesians is going to help us hold these two things together. So I encourage you, memorize these three verses. Memorize these three verses. Now, I don't want to preach these three verses today because we're going to do it when we get to it. So I've come up with my own summary statement for the book. And you got it in your worship order, it's, but it's this. By His grace and for His glory, in Christ, God has reconciled a people to Himself and to each other so that they will walk in the good works He has prepared for them. By His grace and for His glory, in Christ, God has reconciled a people to Himself and to each other so that they will walk in the good works He has prepared for them. 
This captures a few extra elements that aren't in verses 8 through 10 of chapter 2, but are very important in the book. So that's another reason why I'm not just exclusively preaching uh, verses 8 through 10. And yes, this is a very wordy summary. You know, you know you're welcome. My, my teachers always told me, like, you need to be less wordy. I said, well, I want to be a pastor someday, so here you go. I want to be wordy. No, I'm just, just kidding. But, uh, but yeah, I think this statement here captures a lot of the key themes that we find in this book. Now, as we walk through, so I, I've, I've given you the structure, and now I'm asking the question, why? Why do we need this? Why do we need what we find in this book? I'm going to give you five things that happen when you forget the elements of this statement, ultimately of the book as a whole. Five things that happen when you forget these things, because there are basically five ideas contained within this statement. With each, with each of those five things, I'm going to give you a picture. So hopefully that'll help you uh, make it easier to remember, a, a word picture. One of them is an actual real picture, uh, and that'll help you remember Okay, what do I need to remember about this book? And I do hope, too, that you will assess where you are. Because I'm kind of phrasing the negative side of things with all of these statements. I want you to kind of pick out which one is the most me. So that I can be listening for that as we go through the sermon series over the next few months. So which one of these is you? And again, that's kind of the application for today. Is one, to memorize Ephesians 2, 8 to 10, but also assess who you are where you fall, which of these five things you need to remember the most. All right, so let's dive in. Here's the first problem. If we forget, we have shallow faith. We forget what God has done, so our faith feels shallow. Shallow faith. One of the things that I was in that statement, which we'll look at again, was that God has reconciled us to Himself and to one another. If we forget that, our faith becomes incredibly shallow. Or in essence, we kind of will reach a wall where we won't grow deeper with God. Why? Because we're forgetting what He has done. Here's the picture I want you to remember for this. It's the movie Fifty First Dates with Adam Sandler and Drew Barrymore, okay? It's, it's about 20 years old, so students, you may not have ever watched this, and it's okay. It's not a particularly good movie, I don't think. But in this movie, Adam Sandler falls in love with Drew Barrymore. Now, prior to Drew Barry, he, he falls in love with her like a day. He's, he meets her and is like, oh my goodness, this woman's amazing. The next day, though, she doesn't remember him. Well, the reason is, is because prior to her meeting him, she had had a tragic accident that had affected her brain, so she couldn't really make any new memories uh, more than a day old after the accident. So every day she wakes up and had basically forgotten everything that happened the day before. Well, Undeterred, Adam Sandler's like, I love this woman, I'm going to pursue her. So basically, he just goes on first date after first date after first date with her, hence the title, 50 First Dates. Now, obviously, that leads to a lot of problems, and in the movie, everything works out, and which, you know, in real life, you know, it's a movie, so it's like, oh, haha, you know, great, yay, they end up together. But in real life, like, that would never happen. That's not real. It's one thing to stay with a spouse who knew you and cherished you after an accident. It's another thing to meet someone who can't remember you and then ultimately get married, even though they still can't remember you. It's like, okay, it's just crazy. But this is what happens with us in the Lord. When we forget that He has reconciled us, it's like we're living in the movie Fifty First State. Of course we don't go deeper with the Lord because we keep, we keep having to remember who He is. 
we're kind of building that foundation over and over and over again. We never go deep and we feel shallow. Does your faith feel shallow? It may well be because you are continually forgetting what God has done. And one thing that Paul does in Ephesians is give a reminder of what God has done. He has reconciled a people to himself and to each other. Let's see this in the text. Ephesians 1 verse 7, Paul says, In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of his grace. This is restoration and reconciliation language. We've been redeemed, kind of brought out of slavery, into relationship with God. We've been forgiven. What we have done is not held against us. This was given to us by grace. This is reconciliation language. We are in right relationship with Him. That's what I mean by reconciled. That God has said we are in right relationship with Him. Ephesians chapter 2, verses 4 and 5 says, But God, we were, he talks earlier that we were dead, Now he's saying, but God, being rich in mercy, because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in trespasses, so he repeats himself, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved. Again, reconciliation to himself. Not only to himself, but he's done it with us together. Chapter 2, verse 12, remember that you were at that time separated from Christ, alienated from the commonwealth of Israel, and strangers to the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. But now, in Christ Jesus, you who once were far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For He Himself is our peace, who has made us both one and has broken down in his flesh the dividing wall of hostility, skipping ahead to verse 16, that he might reconcile us both to God in one body through the cross, thereby killing the hostility. So we've been reconciled to God, and we've been reconciled to each other. We have to remember that. Otherwise, we're just kind of stuck in the, oh, I've got to make sure we're reconciled again. But no, if we were remembering that, we're able to go deeper and deeper with the Lord. So meditate and dwell on this truth. It's like a multifaceted diamond. Now, I've spent way more time kind of talking about this one than the other ones. The other ones will move a little bit quicker. But shallow is the first one. We have a shallow faith. Second one, exhausted faith. Do you feel like your faith is often exhausted? Well, if we forget how He has reconciled us, we will become exhausted. Exhausted. How has God reconciled us? By grace. We tend to think reconciliation is up to us. But no, it's been by faith. See, if I don't realize that it's, or sorry, it's by grace. If I don't realize it's by grace through faith, then I will try to keep earning God's favor or reconciliation with Him and with others. I'll become become exhausted. I've used this illustration before. It's from author Jerry Bridges, but I think it's very fitting, so I'm going to use it again. It's the idea of the treadmill. When you get on a treadmill, you go nowhere. doesn't matter how long you run. You're not going to do anything but get tired. Yes, it's healthy. it's, It's good for you, whatever. But you'll be probably bored, and you won't get anywhere. And see, if we're trying to earn God's favor, it's like being on a spiritual treadmill. You can't earn God's favor. We're sinners. Up on our own, we're, we're destined for destruction. 
We're alienated from Him and each other. We can't do anything, enough good stuff to get God to like us. Instead, He has, by grace, already brought us where we need to be. He's like, get off the treadmill. Stop running. You're already at your destination. And it's by grace. Sit in the lazy river and let the current take you. Don't get on the treadmill. It's by His grace that He's reconciled the people to Himself and one another. By His grace. We see this in verses 8 and 9 of chapter 2. We've already read this, but for by grace you've been saved through faith. This was also in verse 5, if you'll recall. And this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. What is grace? It's undeserved, unmerited favor. Grace is when you receive something you do not deserve. For example, if I just walked into the congregation right now and kicked you as hard as I could in the shins, and you looked at me and said, you know what, I love you anyways, here's $100. That's grace. Absolute grace. And this is what our salvation comes from. It comes from grace. If you think that you doing something is going to make God like you, you're going to earn His favor. You're going to keep yourself from hell because of what you've done. When you, when you stand in front of God and He asks you, why should I let you into my heaven? And you say to Him, I've gone to church my whole life. I've been nice. I gave to the poor. I've been kind. He will say, depart from me for I know you not. It is by grace. It is for those who come and say, Lord, I recognize that I cannot save myself. Have mercy on me. Will you give it to me as a free gift? Will you give me your love as a free gift? It's for those, those who have faith in that, in Him, in what Christ has done on the cross, Him paying for our sins. For them, there is salvation by grace through faith. By grace through faith. When we, remem when we remember grace, we're free from the treadmill. Also, if we look at verse 10, which isn't up here, but the idea of we're God's workmanship, uh, that we should walk in good works, or in chapter 4, verse 1, that we're to walk in a manner worthy of the call, if I don't see that that's by grace, it'll feel like a treadmill because it'll never be enough. I'll never measure up. I'll always be disappointed and frustrated with my growth. It's by grace. Okay, third problem. Thirsty and unsatisfied faith. We forget where reconciliation is found, so we feel thirsty and unsatisfied. We're always looking for reconciliation in the wrong places. Maybe we know, okay, I'm reconciled to God and each other. Maybe we know it's by grace. But if I am not looking in the right place, and that is in Christ, then I'm going to be thirsty and unsatisfied. It's in Christ. Here's the illustration for this one. This is an ad from a long time ago. Now, I love Coca-Cola, okay? Like, it's one of my favorite drinks. It's bad for you, but it's, it's delightful. Okay, first thing, thirst quenching. Delicious and refreshing Coca-Cola. Is Coca-Cola thirst quenching? No. If you're dehydrated and you drink some Coke, you're going to be in trouble. That's a bad idea. Like, it is not going to hydrate you. It's not thirst quenching. It seems like it would be thirst quenching. It's, it's liquid after all, and it tastes good. 
It's not salt water. You know, try to drink a glass of salt water, you know, good luck. But, I mean, but this stuff, it'll dehydrate you just the same with all the caffeine and sugar. But this is the same thing that happens when we look somewhere other than Christ for our reconciliation. We will be thirsty and unsatisfied because none of that other stuff is meant to satisfy us. By His grace and for His glory in Christ, God has reconciled us. This is a theme throughout the book. It pops up again and again and again. We even saw it in, in verse 10. For we are His workmanship created in Christ Jesus. We tend to forget that it's always in Christ. I want to I show you this. Now, I'm not going to read this, but, and you probably can't even read this where you're sitting, but you can see the difference in color, right? This is verses 3 to 14 of chapter 1. This will be our text for next week. But I want to highlight everywhere that's kind of that orangish-red color is where Paul says, in Christ or in Him or through Jesus Christ. I'm not going to count them up, but it's a lot. Paul is consistently saying, by the way, these verses are like all the blessings that we have in Christ. He keeps saying, this is found in Christ. Stop looking to spiritual Coca-Cola to find these blessings. It is only found in Christ. When we are looking to places other than Jesus, when things are difficult, when life is hard, or even when life is good, if I'm looking to places other than Christ, I will be spiritually thirsty because those things do not satisfy. Only in Christ. When we are remembering that reconciliation is found in Christ, we can resist the temptation to find the blessings of reconciliation elsewhere. Because those blessings of really reconciliation elsewhere are not really blessings of reconciliation. Okay, fourth problem. Maybe this is you. Maybe your faith feels lonely and lazy. I'm kind of putting these two together. We forget that we are reconciled, or what we are reconciled for. So we become spiritually lonely and lazy. God reconciled us for a purpose. These last two are kind of purpose statements or purpose uh, reasons why God has done this. But our faith, my salvation, my relationship with God can become a ticket to heaven in my back pocket. If I read Ephesians 1 to 3 and I forget that there's a 4 to 6, if I forget that, my spiritual life can become lonely and lazy. What do I mean by that? Here's the picture I want you to have. An unused gym membership. I have a, a good buddy, his name's Doug. And uh, back in, in, when we lived in Bloomington, we were members together at the Y. But I say we were members together only in the sense that we were both giving money to the Y. You see, Doug rarely, if ever, went to the Y. And he liked to say, well, I'm donating to the Y. He had a membership, but he never went. He never went. It's like, Doug, why do you have a membership? He wanted to go, but he was ending up being lazy and lonely. Why do you go to the Y? You go for your health, to not be lazy. You go for community. I mean, some people go to community. I would go to the Y, like I would never talk to anybody. But, you know, there was still a sense of community because you saw the same people there like every day. And so it's like, you know, you nod at them, but, you know, I, I wouldn't talk. But anyways, so that was, you, you have the gym membership to do something, to be a part of something, to do something, have your life be different. 
It's in the same way that God has reconciled us, has brought us into His family, has given us a gym membership into the family of Christ. Why? So that we would walk in good works that He prepared for us. That's Ephesians 2.10 and Ephesians 4.1. We were reconciled into t- for two, two main ideas. One is a way of life, a way of life. God did not give you the gospel as just a ticket to heaven where you would just kind of sit on a train and ride the train to heaven. No, it was a ticket to a path that we walk. Something we do. There's just as much ink spilt for what we ought to do as to what's been done by Jesus. Chapters 1 to 3, verses 4 to 6. Also, all of the commands except for one in the book of Ephesians, are plural. The one command also is a quote that Paul pulls from the Old Testament. So all of these commands, this walk, is something we do together. So the walk is the idea that we aren't lazy and it's together we aren't lonely. Ephesians 2.10 here at the end, we are His workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works which God prepared beforehand, that we should walk in them. Created beforehand. God planned it all. And obviously this one that we have seen as well, verse 4-1. I mentioned earlier there are five walk commands in the second half of uh, Ephesians. We're to have unity. We're to not be like the world. We're to be like God in love. We're to walk in the light. And we're finally to walk in wisdom. And then... Last, not a walk command, but we are to stand firm with the armor of God. Church, your life ought to be changing. You ought to feel like you are walking. This is not to shame you or condemn you if you feel like you're stuck, but it's instead to give you hope, to say that in Ephesians, as we walk through this book, I hope and pray that you will, you, you will start to walk and that your faith will grow. And as you look at the goodness of our God and Savior, Jesus Christ, as you look at Him, that you will be spurred on to walk. And then as we get to the back half of the book, as you are walking and seeing what God has said, that you will be reminded of what He has done and that will continue to spur on to walk. That's my hope. Do you feel lonely and lazy in your faith? Here's the last one. Meaningless faith. So often our faith seems meaningless, right? Maybe your life feels meaningless. We forget why God chose to reconcile us so our lives lack meaning. Our lives lack meaning. Your life has no sense because the why, we had this one why, we were meant to walk, uh, walk with others, but there's a second why. Because we were reconciled to God for His glory. For His glory. Our life has a meaning, and it's this. For His glory. Here's the picture I want you to have. The background extra in a movie who can't help but think that maybe this is his or her major break. You guys have all seen the movie or any movie really where, you know, a background extra is really kind of acting maybe a little more than he or she should. 
and it kind of detracts from what's going on in the foreground with the main characters. Your eyes are kind of drawn to the background. You're like, what's this joker doing back here? Like, he's happy to be on camera, and it kind of steals the show. And if you try to follow the guy that's in the background, you won't understand what's actually going on in the story. We're not supposed to pay attention to the people in the background. They're there to highlight the foreground, the main characters. Guess what? Church, we are all background characters in the story of God. When we start looking to our life and being like, my life doesn't make much sense. I can't understand why this suffering is in my life or why this thing happened or even why this good thing happened. Why would this ever happen to the main character? You're not the main character. God is the main character. What you're going through is an opportunity for you to respond in a particular way that gives glory to God because He is the main character. He is what our lives are about. And we are going to see that throughout the book of Ephesians. Paul continually brings our eyes back to the fact that it is about God. It is about Jesus Christ. We see this. I mentioned that verses 3 to 14 were about all the blessings that we have in Jesus. Paul starts it by saying, praise be to God that we have all these blessings. And how does he end it? We have all these blessings to the praise of His glory. We do not have them, these great things in Christ, being saved just because they us. No, we have it so that God can be glorified. Church, I'm excited this morning. It's been like a month since I've gotten to preach, so you know, I'm, I'm fired up. It's all been bottled up and coming out now. It's for God's glory, not our own. Paul gives this doxology, this moment of praise, after he goes through all of the theology of chapters 1 to 3, and he ends with, to Him be glory in the church, that's us, and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. This is what our lives are about. We are just background characters. When we move to the background, the things in my life will finally be in their proper context. It's not me, it's about God. The questions I will start to ask will stop being, how can this get better? Or why is this happening to me? But instead, the questions will shift to what does God want? What does God think? How can I bring attention attention to the Lord and not myself? Those are the questions that I'll be pondering when I am in the background. How can I make sure that the spotlight stays on Him and not on me? So again, church, what do we do with all of this stuff this morning? I just want to ask you, which of these five situations do you find yourself in? Do you feel shallow, exhausted, thirsty and unsatisfied, lonely and lazy? Does your faith feel meaningless? For all of us, we probably gravitate towards one of these more than the others. You may gravitate towards all five, and that's okay. Wherever you are, whichever one of these is you, there is hope. God gives us hope. And He wants to restore us and change us and work in our lives. And again, I want to be very clear that what God has in this book is for those who know Jesus Christ. 
specifically when we look in Ephesians, we're going to be reminded that God died for us out of His love for us, not because of what we have done, but because He loved us and He's rich in mercy. And if you are wrestling with this question of Jesus, if you're wrestling with your faith, if you feel like your faith is ultimately just, I have to be good, I have to go to church, I have to do these things because it's what is, what's expected of me, I urge you to lay down your life, to get on your knees and just confess and say, God, I have been making my life about me. Will you forgive me? I believe that Jesus died on the cross for my sins. And God promises us that he will save you. When you cry out to him for mercy, he will save you. If you have been trying to live on your own efforts, pleasing God, thinking that's what's going to keep you from destruction, it won't. But God is rich in mercy. And so I urge you to come before him, ask for mercy, and he will. He says he will save you. And then all of this that we're talking about is for you. There will be good works that God has prepared for you to walk in. What beautiful truth. So church, take time. Memorize Ephesians 2, 8 to 10. And as we walk through this book, remember, by His grace and for His glory, in Christ, God has reconciled a people to Himself and to each other so that they will walk in the good works He has prepared for them. Let me pray. Father, we thank You for Your grace and mercy to us. Help us to continue walking with You May we delight in the beauty of grace. May we delight in the fact that you have reconciled us. May we know that all of this is found in Christ. And may we walk in the good works that you have for us. And may we do all of this for your glory. Help us, Lord, to see you as the main character. Thank you, Lord, for showering us with your love and mercy because that is who you are. I pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.